There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 407. And today in the show, we are taking a break from hardcore strategy and deer hunting deep dives, and instead, simply kicking back and catching up with longtime Wired to Hunt contributor, and deer hunting madman, Dan Ninefingers Johnson. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. Today, um, we're doing something that at least I personally need pretty darn bad. Um, you know, it's February, it's cold and nasty. Here in Michigan for the last, I don't know, month or two, our restaurants and coffee shops and all that stuff's been closed. So, you know, there hasn't been the opportunity to do the thing that, that I sometimes like to do, which is go get breakfast with a buddy or get a coffee with a friend. Uh, I haven't gone to get a beer with friends in years because of kids, but that sounds pretty nice. <laughs> but with everything shut down and stuff being weird, it just seems like I'm missing just catching up with a friend about some stuff. And maybe some people out there are in the same boat. So my plan today is to take a break from the hardcore strategy and all the note taking and the lessons and the serious strategy and whatnot. And instead, just just catch up with my good buddy, one of the weirdest people I know, one of the most important people ever here on the Wired Done podcast, Mr. Dan Johnson. <laughs> that's that's yeah, hey, that's the energy i need kids do you have any sleeping kids man they're both right sleeping now. right now they're both uh, sleeping so you, you can't do a rick flair woo right I, now can't, i can't you? but i can do a serious fist pump in silence give me hey how about you give me a, do you know who randy macho man savage is <laughs> no i don't No, his his uh his claim to fame was like oh yeah give me an oh yeah oh that, yeah no. see that's what i like dude <laughs> we're setting the tone this is gonna be an awesome podcast i'm bringing the a game out today good man i need that i really yeah. need it right now because I'm, I'm i'm dragging tail a little bit i'm dragging tail it's been like it's been a rough week here in the kenyan household i mean we're, we're all healthy and safe and it's all okay but otherwise like kind of just need that pick me up so well you got it brother i'm here you are the antidote to my woes dan how the hell are you i'm doing good man i haven't had 
any major kid debacles, you know, like uh, glitter in the dryer (laughs) scenario. Yeah. Uh, You know, we have the occasional feces smeared on the toilet, but that's, you know, you come to expect that when you got a a young man, a child growing into a man, right? And you got to, and we have a lot of flushable wipes in the house. And uh, (laughs) so we're good, man. It's like, it's, it's good. How about that's, you? That's good, man. I I don't know. We're not quite there. I had, I made a big dad mistake uh, about a week ago and uh, was wrestling with both of my boys and basically my youngest fell off the bed and hit his head. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have that. Yeah. Have and that. so that was a real doozy and like a scary situation there for a little bit, but everything's okay. But it was like a very stressful event in the moment that happened. And then, uh, my older son got sick and was puking all over the house and puked all over my books and my wife's computer <laughs> and all that stuff. So that happened. Uh, God, there was something else that happened too, but it's just been like a bunch of stuff like that. Like every day, it just seems like there's some other small catastrophe that's just kind of kept us from being as focused as we want. It just seems like every day has been a little bit of a shit show. So yeah, yeah that that's just kind of like the world we're in right now. But it's it's all right. It yeah. could be worse. Um, I'm just My ready for one. sunshine and like getting out to do yeah. stuff that's not zero degrees and nasty. I bet you there's close to two feet of snow on the ground here in Iowa. And I went to go pull a uh, trail camera the other day and I was hiney in it through, you know, 18 inches to two feet of snow. Wow. And I'm starting, honestly, I'm starting to get worried about the whitetail herd in this area. We're not that bad, but uh, it's snowy and cold. Are you, are you saying that just because of how cold it is and then that depth of snow? Well, it's not even like the snow per se, because I've seen, I've seen winters where the snow accumulates over the, over time. And we get like, right now we're uh, experiencing a real deep cold front. Like I think the high yesterday in the town in the North of me was negative one. So not only do we have the frigid temperatures, but we got the snow layer of ice snow kind of combination going on. And I just the deer can't get to the egg fields. Like I, when I went out there, I saw, I saw a couple of deer beds, but not really any, uh, any activity in the egg fields. So yeah. wherever they're at, they're sitting real tight to their food source and they're not moving at all. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. There's, there's probably a lot of those deer that are thinking just weather, just, just use as little energy as possible right now yeah. and push through it. It is, it is crazy what they, what they, live through yeah and and most of the time thrive yeah they're uh they're quite the they're quite the animal that's for sure i couldn't do it i'll yeah. that do you guys get very much ice up there where you where you're at oh we get a decent bit yeah i mean yeah we, we definitely had it oh, gosh i don't know when it was we got i don't know seven to ten days ago we got that pretty good ice storm i'd say uh, then maybe that's the same time you got it yeah yeah so you know, right now the conditions that we have, it's just deep snow, right? And I'm, I'm sure there's 
you know, some kind of vegetation that they can munch on, whether it's buds or bark or leave some of these trees that kind of stay green uh, all year or maybe even find in some standing egg if, it, if that's possible. But the year, I think it was like three years ago, maybe four years ago, we had this incident where it snowed a whole bunch, then it got warm for two days and all of it melted. And then it froze hard for like another two days. And that year while shed hunting, I found probably the most dead deer that I've ever found. And I think a lot of it had to do to, with that, that incident where the ice on the ground really kept them from getting anything out of it. Yeah. That makes for a, a bad combination. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. you said you got out and saw some beds. Were you just scouting or what? Yeah. Shed so I had, yeah, well, I was, I, I always like to go out for one kind of quick trip this time of year, uh, late January, early February, because some of the bigger sheds that I've ever found have been in late, the late January timeframe once that season's been over. So I had a, I had one trail camera still out soaking since I want to say late October. And I ended up, uh, pulling it, you know, high, high knee in it through all the snow and, and while I was back there, I said, well, I might as well go walk this ridge that's notorious for holding a doe, you know, bedding. It's a bedding area, uh, pretty much. And I went over there and I saw some beds, but the snow was so deep. And if if they did drop, it was like three days prior and we had a, a big snowstorm. So if it did drop it within that three-day period, I was really hoping to just kind of walk up to where these beds were at and see a shed laying down in the bed. But nah, no luck. Did you, uh, between that camera pull or any others, do you have any idea of, of what bucks made it? No, I don't have any intel right now of any deer. I, I pull ever since, you know, all the thievery that's been going on, yeah. uh, on the properties that I hunt, I pull my, I pull my, uh, uh, trail cameras before shotgun season is over. So it sucks. Cause then that kind of limits me, but I'm thinking about going out and dropping a whole bunch of corn out on some of the farms I have access to just to get kind of not only help them out, get them some feed, but you know, also the Intel that comes with it. Yeah. I hear you. Um, now I'm no expert on this, so you should go do some reading, but, uh, I remember a handful of years ago when we had this mega polar vortex, cold weather stuff going on. I remember reading some stuff where they were saying that the, and I might get this, the details here, but basically there was, it was a warning from Kip Adams, I think, writing about in the cold weather. A lot of people like to put out a bunch of food, but yep. putting like a whole bunch of a different kind of food than they're eating all in one spot all at once can actually throw things off for them and actually cause them more harm than good. So it's either like you should have consistent food all the way through that you're providing or none at all. Um, yeah. I think that's what I remember, but I could be wrong. On it. I think, I think what he was saying was if you're throwing a whole bunch of corn down on the ground, the calories that are, um, consumed through the corn are not necessarily as nutritious. It's, it's, um, I mean, it, it would get them by, but if it's just, if they're just eating corn, the, the protein or the nutrients isn't there as opposed to other things that they could be eating. And therefore they're just eating the corn for one reason. And that's convenience. And, and then that's keeping them from doing the other stuff they should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to go find that again and, and post that so that I know what the hell I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah. yeah, man, cold weather, 
not great, but these critters are survivors. That's uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so you don't know what's running around there out right now. No. I happened to get eyes on my main spot the other day. This is about a week or 10 days ago maybe out in the evening i was watching it about the last half hour of daylight and this spot usually has you know good food sources on it even into the late season but as as you and i've talked about over the past couple months they disked everything up so it's a bunch of dirt fields so there's every time i go out there and look there's been pretty much zero deer ever but this one night i spotted three big bodies bigger bodies and it actually ended up being all three of the bucks that I was consistently seeing out in this area throughout the hunting season, other than oh, trying. Nice. So the two three-year-olds and then a two-year-old, all three of which I passed, I don't know, almost dozens of times, I feel like. Um, they all made it. So so that's cool um, and a good sign. And, you know, what is that? It was probably the beginning of February. So at least those yeah. three bucks made it to the beginning of February and if those two three-year-olds make it to next year, I'd be, I'd be really excited. So yeah, that was a good sign. Do you have enough food on your property to get them through the winter? You think? Definitely not, not yeah. on, not on the spots that I can hunt, but they, they, they must be spending time, you know, on these other properties. I, I'm guessing just for, I know where they're going. They were heading across the dirt field that is on the property I can hunt. And they're heading towards some farms on the other side of the road where there uh, is some cut corn. So they're heading there. So I think that they might be still betting in, or at least some of the time still betting in the main area that these bucks have been, but they're traveling different directions. You know, like when I killed Tran, most of the deer movement was heading East when usually it goes West. So I'm guessing most of that's still happening because there was food on that side of the square mile. So I think they're, they're just adjusting because there's essentially zero food on the spots that I, that I hunt. Between yeah. the crop fields being all tilled up and then the food plots that I planted are just nothing. There's nothing left of them. So, um, so yeah, that, that's the situation there next year. Hopefully it'll be a different story. And if yeah. these two, especially these two, three-year-olds, if they make it, you know, things change of course, but those yeah. two were, were regular. They were consistent. I've got a, a better idea of what they're doing than I've had for many deer in the past. So if either one of them's around, there'll be a, there'll be a good target. There's that, there was one buck who looked just like a miniature version of Tran. He was just a tall eight pointer with really long G twos. Um, so he's a cool deer passed on him a bunch. And then the other one was this nice 10 pointer. And we don't usually get like good looking 10 pointers like that as three year olds around here too often. And, uh, I was, in my head, I was kind of referring to him as rookie of the year because he was like the new one that showed uh, yeah. up this year. And I'm like, dang, he's going to be a stud. So you have a sweet goatee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he reminded me of myself. Um, so he'll he's the kind of buck that you know he could he could blow up you know for a Michigan buck at least. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they're here again in 2021 what uh, what they look like. So yeah, my little bit of optimism. It's not really. Even if I did dump a ton of corn on the properties that I hunt, the the farm that I hunt that's closest to my house, maybe, but the farm where I spend most of my rut and where I shot my buck this year, I don't, you know, once, and, and we talked about this, man, ever since the beginning of this podcast, that the deer after the shotgun season just leave the farm yeah, and they don't come back until spring. 
So once the shotgun uh, hunters push them out, it doesn't really rebound until, uh, you know, spring and depending on certain years, it, it also impacts the shed hunting. I mean, last year, man, I walked the whole farm, found one shed on it and that was in prime time, yeah. you know? So yeah. Uh, plus, oh, I don't, I think I told you this too. I lost my main shed hunting farm that borders. I can't hunt it in the, in the past. I couldn't hunt it, but I could shed hunt it. And that, that was my go-to cleanup spot. When I want to go find sheds, I would every year, it's just like that perfect ag thermal cover late season, you know, habitat. And I would just clean house on the sheds and, um, guy, <laughs> the guy told me, um, you know, Hey, my kids want to start shed hunting. So, uh, Hey, yeah. Bummer. Yep. There it is. Yep. But whatever. I got uh, a lot of public around here that it, I think the snow is going to be on the ground for a while. So shed hunting might be difficult this year. The one good thing I've, I've always thought when it comes to these snowy years is it concentrates the deer. Yeah. So, you know, that's a fact they're they're going to if you can find where they are concentrated, like where that very best winter food is or that very best thermal cover, I think you'll have a lot more deer packed into those best spots. And so. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past. When you get that snow melting and you find a couple of those core spots, that's yeah. where they can stack up. So silver yeah, lining, I, I guess. I think me and you had a couple experiences like that. It was a couple of years ago when we when that group came down to Iowa and we were shed hunting and we yep. had those uh, those buffer strips that we were walking and shed. I think we found like twenty sheds between. I don't know. I don't, there was quite a few people, but yeah. within a hundred acres. Yep. All, of all this, this, uh, all these buffer strips and it was money. Yep. You find your little honey holes and there they are. Do you have, speaking of that kind of thing, do you have your plans laid yet for when you're going to start doing that? Shethan? You know, um, here in a couple weeks, my daughter's having a sleepover birthday at the house and I'm going to take the boys down to my mom's and, uh, and I think I might go out for a quick shed hunt while the kids are hanging at my mom's just to go check the farm out. I might, I might dump a little corn just to see what's up. But other than that, you know, walk a couple bedding areas, walk some field edges. Other than that, man, I just don't think I'll be doing anything until uh, early March. Yeah. So it seems like with the snow, I, uh, I haven't really figured out my plans entirely either, but I think I am going to head to Iowa in March once nice. that snow drops. Cause, cause I'm gonna, I'm gonna hunt Iowa this year. So okay. I want to get some scouting in and, uh, some prep on these spots that I'm going to hunt. So, uh, how many points, uh, a bunch three or three or four, four now, I think four, well, four yeah. sh should get you the unit that I live in. I, I know that's true, but I don't have, I don't have the spots to hunt there. Well, you got call Andy may, <laughs> Andy May's got some spots. Tell him I'm Mark Kenyon and just let him, you know, put a little pressure on him. See what he says. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good idea. Maybe, and maybe we just, maybe we do the other thing, which is we just talk about him on this podcast and try to like peer pressure him peer through, pressure him. Yeah. through our audience to make that happen. So he'll finally spill the beans on his public yeah. land hotspot. And yeah. uh, <laughs> no, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to hunt that area I've hunted in the past because between some stuff that, Ross and Peter have, and some stuff that I've hunted in the past. I, I think I can get a good situation lined up. So nice. that's where I'm. That's where I'm leaning. But uh, we'll have to talk details when I figure that out and and see if maybe there's some way to get together at that point. 
Yeah. If anything, uh, I, uh, I'll just, I'll just make my way. If I've already shot a deer, potentially, I might just make my way up towards you and just, uh, hang and shoot a doe or two. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of that, have you figured out your, have you thought at all about what's happening in 2021 for you with your hunting plans? I saw you put in for Wyoming elk. Is that, is that finally happening? Yep. Six points. I applied on like the last day of January and, uh, I'm heading out or, well, I don't know yet. I've put in the, the crazy thing. I talked with a guy from go hunt and he was telling me that, uh, the unit that I applied for is really volatile. So in 2020, I, I applied with, I applied with six points. Okay. I thought it was seven, but it's actually six. How that, however that works. But, um, uh, that unit last year was five points and you're get you know, like if you applied with five points, you're in. So I have six. So I'm thinking, okay, well that's good. But he said in 2019, you had to have 10 points to get in. So I'm still new to how all these draw odds work and, and the fluctuation and point creep and all that stuff. So I, I put in thinking, Oh dude, six points, I'm guaranteed to hunt, but it's not, it doesn't work that way. So I guess I got to wait till May to see if it's a hundred percent or not. Man, I, I kind of, I don't kind of, I really do not like how complicated this stuff has gotten in a yeah. lot of States out there. Yeah. It's just, it makes it, especially for new people, borderline impossible to, to get into this stuff when it's so yeah. damn complicated just to figure out how to get a tag. Yeah. Um, and did you see, did you see the news about what's being proposed in Montana for non-residents? Oh, that just made my like head hurt yeah. when I heard that, that, that is the most political BS in the, like how, how do these people, n- number one, how do, how do outfitters, and I have nothing against outfitters, but what gives them the right to get first dibs on tags? So the tags are sold to the outfitters. And then in order to get a non-resident tag, you have to go through an outfitter. That's that's ridiculous to me. And I'm not exactly sure if that's it. it maybe, maybe you are sure about that. I, I can't remember the specifics. All I know is that 60% of the tags that would be available for non-residents have to use an outfitter. Yeah. Um, so that just means like for people that want to DIY it, there's very little opportunity now to actually draw a tag and do that yourself. If, yeah. if that happens now, I, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that gets shot down because I know a lot of people were, you know, letting their thoughts be known on that. Yeah. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but already like I shoot six years ago, I was hunting Montana every year and the last three years I haven't been able to draw. Um, so as it stands already, you know, it's become much harder to get a tag there, let alone if our chances of, or if our pool of available tags was, you know, dried up considerably. And, and that it's especially of a bummer because Montana has always been one of those opportunity States, you know, like Idaho, Colorado for certain things, you can get over the counter tags, Montana for deer and certain things. There's a lot of general hunting opportunities. So it was always nice that there were a handful of states where you could go and still get a tag somewhat easily and have a chance to just have a fun hunt. You're not necessarily going to be in one of these quote unquote trophy regions, but you could get out there. And then if you want to go after that, you know, 
mega bowl or whatever, you could go through all the rigmarole of New Mexico or Utah or Arizona or one yep. of these spots where that's more complicated, some of the Wyoming Wyoming units like you're talking about. But now it's like, geez, everything's getting tough. Idaho just really increased their prices. They just significantly reduced allocations for non-resident stuff. They're making you, um, you know, when it came for deer in Idaho, you could buy a whitetail tag that would be good for the state. Um, now you have to pick one specific unit. And these aren't like big units, like how Iowa has eight units. There's like 60 units. So yeah. I'd have to pick like a little couple square mile region almost for some of these places. Yeah. Um, so there's just, I don't know. And they're just really reducing quotas for each one of these spots. Like the place that I had an elk tag for last year sold out, you know, the day that tags were made available back in January. While yeah. in previous years, we used to buy our tags the day we arrived in Idaho on in September. And now they're sold out in January and they're only giving out like a hundred of them. Um, so stuff's changing, man. I don't know. I don't know what that means for the future, but it's, uh, it's a little concerning. You know, I, I hate to say this because it just makes me sound like that, you know, that guy, but everything is just leading toward this, you know, the, everybody says it, the rich man sport type of thing. Again, you know, Iowa just recently, um, you know, and I got backlash from this for voice of my opinion. I live in Iowa and I feel that, you know, Iowa has a really good thing going. And so they wanted to propose this law that says, okay, non-resident landowners can get a tag every year, an archery tag every year. Well, what that's going to do, and this is my opinion, is um, out-of-staters with a lot of money, are going to come in, they're going to buy up all the land and they're going to, you know, all the non-residents will be displaced. And Iowa is already, uh, is, is either 49 or 50th in the United States for public land. Like we have, we have less than 2% of our state is public land to hunt. Now that's all that's going to do is just going to drive all these non-residents to, public land. It's going to get overrun. And I don't care what you can say, whatever you want about Iowa. He knows, Oh, it must be nice. It's not Michigan. Public land in Iowa gets pounded period. And just like any other state. So I, I don't know. And then I hear this thing about the, these, this, uh, law in, um, being proposed in Montana. And it's just like, man, why? Like, why can't a guy make the decision if he wants to go through an outfitter or not? Like a hunt just became gas money and, uh, and the tag. Now it's gas money tag and an outfitter. And it's going to jack up the price of a hunt. If that's something you want to do by anywhere from 3000 to $6,000, depending on what species you want to hunt. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there, but there definitely are these trends that are concerning and it's, you know, some of it is driven by demand. If there's increasing demand, they're going to have to, you know, change things. Like I think with like at least in Idaho or something like that, when there's more and more people coming in, they're getting pushback from residents saying, hey, we're getting overrun with people. You got to slow it down. So there's probably some of that going on. There's some weird political stuff probably going on. There's I don't know. I don't know what the answer is on it. It's 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 so it's worrisome. Let's talk through this once because I, now I'm curious. Um, the demand would be that the outfitters are getting all these calls from people saying, I want to hunt your state. 
but they don't have the tags to give them or they're at capacity because of what reason. Like once a person gets a tag, they can do whatever they want with it, right? They can go. So where is the demand? Is the demand for people wanting to uh, use outfitters and the outfitters are saying, well, we can't, you know, we we're full. We don't have enough tags because I thought the tags went to the people and then the people determine how they want to hunt. Yeah. And, and I, I've got no clue on yeah. where the Montana thing came up, came through. Yeah. That, that sure seems like a lobbying thing or, or some, some politician who wants to say this is better for the economy of the state or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, but I think the general demand issue is more like, why you're seeing prices rising in certain states or why you see quotas going down for non-residents in some states like Idaho or why it's becoming more complicated in some places because I think there's just there are more people wanting to do this kind of hunt than there used to be. Yeah. Um so so I get the fact that management maybe needs to change a little bit because of that to make sure like the resource is still being managed properly and that we can handle the increased number of people out there without ruining the experience and ruining the, the wildlife herds and, and all that. But, but I'd like to be more confident that's because of good, you know, scientific reasons versus, you know, getting more dollars in somebody's pocket. That's, that's the part that I am yeah. less confident in. And uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, the details of any one of these situations well enough to speak you know, too confidently on that, but, um, right. but it's something to keep an eye on. You know, I think if nothing else, like we all as hunters should just keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on out there. And when we see something like this, like the Montana deal, let's use our voice. Let's say, Hey man, that's, that's not okay. Let's, yeah. let's keep this from being the rich man's game. Let's keep this as something that's available for everybody. Um, especially, you know, we, we've got a cool little opportunity going on right now with, actually new people trying to come into the fold after the whole COVID year, yep. you know, new hunters finally coming into this thing and trying it out. And wouldn't it be a shame if there are these people that came in and were interested and then they got confused or overwhelmed or frustrated with all the stupid laws and crazy prices and draw odds and all this stuff and said, eh, it's not worth it. And then never gave yeah. it another shot. That would be, yeah. that'd be a shame. Yeah. It's almost like all, you know, the, uh, it's a blessing in disguise, right? Because there's a spike of license sales and whatnot, but, um, you know, they get to the point where they start to get excited and then there's just this wall that they can't even get. It's like, well, I could just go back to doing what I was doing, yeah. you know, instead of hunting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's, I'm sure there's been people like that who, who hit that and say, ah, not worth the headache. So I guess all we can do is, you know, I just said, try to keep tabs on things and then try to lend a hand to those new folks. When we do hear from them, when they're looking for a little bit of advice on what the heck do you do about this? Or how do you get a tag? Or what does this mean? Or what's this law? Or how do I get points? Or I suppose that's one thing we can all can contribute a little bit on is, is try to help the people along the way. And not that it's any easier for us. We're all half, half the time confused too, but right. I guess do what you can. Um, man, I was just talking about this with, Kip, speaking of Kip, I was talking about this the other day with him that it just seems like today in, in 2021 and going forward, all of us, like if you want to be a hunter, you can't just be a hunter anymore. You also have to be an advocate. Like it's just 
we're in a different world now. We can't just say, oh, I go out there, I shoot my gun, and I kill a couple deer and have a good time, and like that's all you do. I think that now it's there's just so many different pressures on this thing. There's so many different possible you know, folks that want to stick a knife in the back of the hunting world or wildlife or wild places that if we're not also realizing that, okay, if I hunt, I also need to do this, which is pay attention and make sure I'm up to speed on what's going on. It is making sure I speak up to make sure we protect this right and protect these things. It is, you know, giving back on occasion, whether that's donating to an organization or going out there and picking up trash. Like, and you and I have had conversations like this over the last six years, plenty of times. Like, I just think that it now should be, it's it's like a requirement. If we want to keep this thing going, I think we all have to just make that a part of our, our identity. Yeah, it's, it really is tough because I, I know I shouldn't say I feel I said, I should say, I know that there are people that will carry the weight. You know what I mean? They will, they will be the advocates. They will um, spread the good word. They will do what me and you do on a daily basis. And I think, although that's not, uh, enough, I feel like it, helps move the needle a little bit. Um, now if everybody was an advocate and everybody had on the right shoes and they, they did the work and and they spread the right, you know, spread the right message. Um, man, that would be awesome. Uh, is it necessary? I don't know, probably not, you know, but it, it's a good mindset to have. Uh, well, Hey, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I think that it would certainly be better if more people at least oh, try to do that. Absolutely. And and if we can redefine, you know, if, if five years from now we could redefine what it means to be a hunter, a deer hunter. Like if if you're gonna if you're gonna take this thing seriously, if this is a part of like who you are, if what that meant wasn't just I kill 180 inch bucks, you know, if instead being a serious deer hunter or saying like I'm a whitetail addict or I live this lifestyle. If that also meant within our community that, Oh yeah, I, I like to deer hunt a ton. I, I kill big bucks and Oh yeah. I always, you know, I'm a conservationist too. Like it wasn't just, I'm a trophy hunt and big buck shooting son of a gun. It was also like this and that they go together. Like if somehow that became just part of our DNA, yeah. we'd be in a damn good place. Um, yeah. so uh, maybe I'm, Maybe I'm just smoking the pipe here and and wishing on a dream, but I can wish, right? (laughs) Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or... You open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. 
Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater and use promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater at urgentcarekit.com slash meat eater. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle. Now, this, this is a good innovation here and it solves a real problem, okay? So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools, like a griddle on your grill. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. There's no use of coatings, okay? You can use metal tools to flip, press, and scrape without worry. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. Now, everything, the problem with griddles, everything rusts. No one talks about how bad everything rusts. Uh, the reason they don't because they couldn't fix it until now. Well, Weber's new rust-resistant technology, your Weber grill will last for years. When used, the carbon steel griddle hardens and bonds the surface, reducing the ability for moisture to collect and rust to form. With the new Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System, you can keep cooking and cleaning supplies handy, carry food and condiments from the kitchen to the griddle, and even convert the side table into a prep station. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. I hate to bring this up, man, but there's a there are a couple things out that are going on right now or were going on and aren't going on anymore. I don't I don't even know what the proper words to use are, but there are people within the hunting industry, uh, I'll say, or the hunting community who have very large followings and have been charged with wild game violations and are either in the process of the, that, you know, of going through the legal system or have somehow beat the legal system or things, you know, uh, one example that I've been following is, um, I don't, I want to say his name to, to call him out, but I won't, but this, you know, the dude baited illegally. Okay. You know, that's not a major one, but still it, you got to follow the laws. Then he shot a deer. Then he, uh, took a picture with it. Then he put it on social media and then he left it in the woods without taking any of the meat off it. He didn't even take the rack off of it, just shot it and, and did the Instagram thing with it and then let it lay. Went, got charged with it. I followed along for all this time. And now this, the, the case has been dropped and sealed. So then now there's no more information about what's going on. Yet this person is still in the hunting industry and promoting brands and going about business as usual. And it drives me insane. Like I, I, I'm angry about this. And what I'm getting at is we have, we have certain people who are the bad apples in this industry, but have a very big following and they are still allowed to go out and do what they do, even though they have this, this, this backstory or these things that have happened to them that I don't know, just get swept under the rug and it, and it, it, it really upsets me. Yeah, that's crazy. 
I don't, I don't know if I know that specific example you're talking about. That's that's wild that somebody could get away with that. I yeah, I can't wrap my head around that. But yeah, yeah, I mean that kind of stuff. There's just no place for that anymore. You can't, you can't. That's just not okay. Obviously, it's it's no. and and especially from someone who has a platform and who you know people look to as a role model. That's that's just really discouraging. Yeah. Um, they represent I, us. And if that kind of stuff gets out to the wrong hands, it's just more fuel for anti hunters to come in and use that as an example of why other people should join them in the fight to ban hunting. Right. I mean, you're seeing it all over the bear hunting in California. Yeah. Right. The bear hunting out in, uh, I think out East in New Jersey or something yep. like that. Yep. Right. So all these, it's just one small step at a time. All these emotional decisions are being made. They're ignoring logic. And then some dipshit do, do, does something like this. Yeah. And it's, he's just stabbing us in the back too. Yeah, man. You're a hundred percent right. And, and yeah, hundred percent agree. And that's exactly why, you know, we may not be able to control what this bozo does or whatever weird quirk in the legal system, let them get away with it. All we can do, I think is you and I and and everyone listening, we've got to be the example of the right way to do stuff. We've got to be the advocate. We've got to do the right thing. Even when no one's looking, we need to be the positive example so that enough non hunters out there, see the, the good see the value in what we're doing, see that the vast majority of us are upstanding and, and want to do this thing the right way and want to take care of the resource. We just have to make sure that more of us are those positive examples because like, you're right. If, if enough bad apples get out there, we're going to lose this, right? We're going to lose our privileges. We're going to lose our opportunities. We're going to lose the places and the critters and the firearms and and all the different things that allow us to do what we want to do. That's none of us guaranteed unless we are, doing the right stuff and standing up for it. So that, yeah. that part's, that part's on you and me. Now I'm fired up, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> like I hate poachers. I hate people who, like that do disgusting stuff like that. And it just, ugh, I want to fight them. <laughs> I tell you what I, uh, while I don't, <laughs> you were talking about how, you know, you were saying like maybe you and your kid don't have the, the brains, but you got the brawn. I, uh, I don't have the brawn. Maybe I've got some small amount of brains, but if, if, if you and I could be combined into like an anti poaching <laughs> superhero of sorts, <laughs> we could really take him down, man. <laughs> Not only do we like quote the law verbatim to yep. him, but then we just kick the shit yeah. out of him. <laughs> and we have, and we have mutton chops and a badass goatee. Oh man. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine like your, side beard combined with my peach fuzz goatee what that would look like yeah yeah and it would it would almost be like <laughs> have you ever seen the cartoon megamind has your kid uh, ever watched that I, I no but i I've, i know what it is he's like a huge a head, super right? he's like a super villain but he goes up against this character who's this big brawny you know like mr clean looking superhero and he's the villain and is just like got this big head <laughs> with skinny <laughs> arms and legs so uh I don't, I don't know man remember gosh over the years we've had a whole lot of these random uh i don't even know what we used to call them but 
We're having one of those. Whatever we used to do, we're having one of those again, Dan. Just- hey, what's that? Here, here's the here's the real question, right? Okay, so we combine into this superhero. What would our weakness be? Because we got it, we can't yeah, let that's- the weakness get out. Uh, kryptonite is Superman. Yeah, right. That's a really can't good get question. Around- yeah. Uh. Okay. Um. Golly, what is our weakness? Everybody listening, the the five people that are still listening probably are <laughs> thinking to themselves, it's so obvious, you dipshits. <laughs> uh, I I know what one of them would be, but maybe they would cancel it out. It would it would be like, okay, here's some does coming through. Let's say we're in a tree stand, right? Yep. Here's some does coming through. We're, we're doing a stakeout, and it might be all day long that we have to sit. <laughs> So what and is this, your comes- knees? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and it's just like 11 o'clock and it's like, well, uh, I don't sit all day, so uh, I got to go. And then we'll, maybe we'll be here when we come back. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be your knees and like my over analysis. Like we'd have like some bad guy charging at us and I would sit there. Well, we could do this or maybe we should do that. But that said, maybe we should go the other way and then we get our ass kicked. Yeah, and then it's no, and then it would be like dumb luck where the guy like trips on a stick, and <laughs> and then we ha ha got you, you know. <laughs> there you go. Oh man, that would be a hell of a superhero. Or we would just be a dynamic duo, right? Yeah. Where yeah. we we each play ourselves, but in an an enhanced version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then our weaknesses cancel each other out. Exactly. Exactly. That might be the better way to go versus some strange man, baby combination of us. Right. So as it's, as 11 o'clock is, um, coming, you know, and I'm like, oh man, we got to get out of the tree, Mark. I'm starting to, starting to get antsy. Then you just go on some filibuster uh, (laughs) (laughs) where it's just like an hour long speech of why we shouldn't do it. And and by that time, it's uh, the sun's coming down and, you know, hey, well, I got to stay out here another 30 minutes. That's true. And I'm so fired up and upset by the end of it and stressed out. And I'm about to get pissed off and leave. And then you're like, Mark, we just got to have fun. We got to enjoy this. You got to focus on it. Yeah. We just got to we just got to enjoy it. And then you bust out some bush lights. And then I think that's probably how the show ends. Bush lights in a tree stand. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of had this feeling. This that is that a would fantasy be... world. I like where you're going. <laughs> I just kind of felt am... like that would be what you'd have in your tool chest. <laughs> in my backpack. I'm like, Mark, shut up and drink this. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like, you know, Batman had the belt with like those little Batman right. nunchuck like stars or whatever. Like you right. would have several. Fanny pack. Yeah. An American an American flag fanny pack that I open up and it's got like an Allen wrench, spare broadheads, and then a couple <laughs> bush lights. Man, we've gone to an interesting place. Yep. You, you said that you had a few other uh, big things in your mind bring, leading into this. Is there anything else that we haven't covered on that front? Uh, one second. Um, I got it. I thought I made a note here, Mark. <laughs> Let's see here. Archery, gear hunt stories. Okay, here. Um, gear. All right. I went to the store the other day and I shot uh, I shot four different bows. And, uh, you know, well, I gave my phone to my boy and we, uh, I don't know, he sat there and while well, I shot a whole bunch of bows. And I must say, I'm pretty impressed with, so let me, let me back up a second. I, I shot, uh, 
I went to the ATA show in 19, went to the ATA show in 20, and I shot a lot of different bows. But in 20, I, I was there more for work than I was to actually just walk around and enjoy the show. Yeah. So um, I didn't get to shoot as many as I as I liked. So in 19 and 20, I shot the same bow. Okay. So like throughout the whole hunting season. So now I'm in this, uh, do I want to go out and get a new bow mode? Right. So I went to this, uh, sporting goods store called Shields in, uh, in Iowa city. And I ended up, uh, going and shooting through all these bows. And I'm going to say this, man, it is so hard these days to pick, uh, the bow that you want because all of the the bows that are being manufactured, especially the top tier brands are really difficult to really break them apart. You know what I mean? And and find, find something like there, you can go out and kill a deer with any bow on the market. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can make a bad decision when it comes to any one of the brands. I mean, you might, there, there's certainly like little differences in certain things or certain styles or like how long a bow you get or how much weight you choose to draw back. Those types of things that could be right for one person and wrong for the other. So I do think there's like a fit, like what's the right fit for you. But yeah. as far as like quality and the make of all these things, you're, you're so right. It's yeah. really impressive what everyone's doing these days. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I think I'm going to go um, on a little bow tour here pretty soon. And, uh, I shot four brands. Let's see. I shot a Matthews. I shot a, uh, prime. I shot a Hoyt. I shot a Bowtech. I want to shoot an elite. I want to shoot an expedition. Um, I want to shoot an obsession. Uh, those are the, the three that I can think of that I haven't shot yet that I want to shoot, but, um, yeah, man. And then I want to go test out some crossbows because I want to get something simple for my kids to mess around with. Nice. So those things are deadly. Yeah. Those things are very deadly. I certainly got some experience with like the various new hunters we brought out to the back 40 and man, they can get set up on those things and shooting accurately really fast. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So that's a, it's a great option for the young ones. That's for sure. any, Any type of, and it doesn't have to be necessarily bows and arrows and stuff like that, but is there any type of, uh, I don't know, equipment that you've been looking at, whether it's for a Western hunt, sleeping out of your truck or, or a whitetail hunt, man. Um, as you were saying this, I was starting to ask myself that same question and I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, the, the one thing I'm looking at experimenting with a little bit is, um, climbing sticks. Um, I started using these timber ninjas last year. They're yeah. really sweet. I mean, I really, really liked them. Um, but I also got the new sticks from Tethered. Um, I don't know if you've seen those. They're called the Tethered One sticks, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I've got some of those and haven't used them yet. So that's one thing. I'm definitely going to test those out and see what, I th- what I'm liking there. I really want to just keep on fine-tuning my mobile setup. I've, I felt really good about what I did this past year. It was definitely the best I've ever done with that, and I felt really comfortable. Um, but you know, I'm going to just keep on trying some different things on that front and just keep tweaking it. Cause I, I think that having that dialed is really important when you move as often as, you know, as you do. And as I do now, um, just having that down to the T is, is a big thing. So that's something I'm going to be looking at. Um, 
you know, otherwise, I just kind of sticking with what works. I'm happy with my bow setup. Yeah. I'm happy with my saddle setup. Um, you know, optics, all that stuff. Same old, same old. Um, uh, man, I don't know. Uh, I bought a boat. You bought a boat. Bought a boat. What kind of boat? A drift boat for out west. And okay. I might use that to access some new places when I do some deer hunting out there in Wyoming or, or Idaho or Montana. Nice. Um, so that's mostly more of like a fishing and family purchase, but I did have in the back of my mind that that would be sweet to access some of these river stuff. And and usually all of my whitetail hunting I do is, you know, in river corridors out there. So now with this boat, I'll be able to get to those tough-to-reach spots or get to these spots that – um you know, you could come in from one way, but you're, it's much more risky as far as what you're going to bump. And this way I can come in from the back and slip in with the water on my side and, uh, and not spook those deer. So that's something that's going to help me with some out of state hunts. Um, I'm excited about that. Awesome. Um, that those might be the biggest things. Yeah. Um, otherwise it's going to be, man, my upcoming year is going to be a crazy one. Um, I am because of some new projects coming up that, are still in the work, so I don't want to spill all the beans, but uh, I'm probably going to hunt my main usual Michigan stuff almost, I don't know, like 90% less than I usually do. I'm going to hunt very little close to home and a whole lot of out-of-state stuff this year. Really? Um, yeah. I thought that was something different. Like, I thought the last time we talked, you were thinking about, or you didn't know what your schedule was, and you thought you were going to be staying home a lot more. No, it's the opposite. Oh, it's, shit. it's the fact that I'm going to be gone so much that I don't think I can add anything else to it. Ah, uh, that's right. So I think, so tentatively, I could be hunting Iowa, Maine, uh, Arkansas, Nebraska, Texas, Missouri, um, well, what else is on this possible slate? All whitetails? All whitetails, yep. This year? This year. Man, how are you going to pull that off? <laughs> Just, I don't know. I, that That's the same question I'm asking myself, but it's basically going to be these short, like, week-long trips for this project um, where you're going to go in and out on a, on a location and we're doing some stuff. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to – oh, Virginia or Washington. Washington, like, D.C. or Virginia, one of that right around there. Um, so it's going to be, I'm going to try to stretch it out over a long period of time. So start some of these hunts like in August and continue into like January or February so that I don't have more than a week or two of travel in any given month is my hope. Um, but, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a doozy. It could be a year where I'm just going to be drained like never before. Um, or it might be a year that, I don't know, maybe because I'm just hitting up different spots and seeing new places, maybe that'll be energizing. I don't know. I might yeah. kill seven deer. I might kill zero. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to be a, it's going to be a crazy one, but uh, yeah. it'll be, once we get it all fine tuned, we'll have to talk through all the details of each place and what we're doing. But um, uh, long story short on that is it's going to be a different kind of year for me. So those three bucks I was telling you about on the main Michigan stuff, Yep. Even if they're around, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to, you know, spend on them. So I don't know. It's going to be a weird year. Maybe, 
maybe I'll get lucky and kill one and, you know, the handful of random day hunts I'll have, or maybe I won't even want to hunt when I'm back in mission because I'm just going to be catching up and resting and trying to catch up on family time. And, and these deer just might get a free pass to next year. And then I'll have yeah. a couple big old guys to chase. I don't know. I'm, yeah. uh, it's going to be a new kind of thing this year. So we'll see. Well, good luck, man. I think that's like, uh, kind of going back to the beginning of the, the conversation here. I, I got September. I got elk. I got October will be mule deer in South Dakota, or maybe even to be honest with you, first week in November, uh, really will be. Yeah. November, yep. November, try to catch the uh, first part of the mule deer rut out there. Wow. And, um, and then what else? Uh, and then obviously Iowa for the rut. And then depending on what happens in uh, October in South Dakota, I may go back in December again, like I did this year. That was fun. And then January actually, um, uh, like a little bird landed on my shoulder and told me that I should go to Arizona to try to hunt coos deer and mule deer. Nice. Yeah. So January even might be uh, kind of a week long deal there too. Uh, we will have to see what uh, the, the wife says about that. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you this, man. One thing that I've noticed is instead of going like back to back weeks, if I could have a week in September, I don't really do anything until the next hunt, which would be a week in uh, a week in October. Don't do anything until my rut vacation, right? And then you know it took me this year. It only took me seven days compared to last year. It took me fourteen days to get the job done. Um, that's good, uh, you know. So a week in Iowa, and then if I do like a week in September, October, November, December, and potentially January, and and you spread it out all the right way and you got all your bases covered, I think that might work for me. So my wife didn't complain as much, <laughs> this sucks to say, but she didn't complain as much in 2020 as she did in previous years. So, Hey, take it. That's good yeah. progress. Yep. And, yep. I, and I think you're smart with the, the spreading it out. That just, that seems to work better than a whole, it just, it always, at least from my experience too, it's always been like when a lot of days stack up, that patience that just wears thin. And it grinds on, you know, it's tough to be on parenting on your own for a long period of time. I'm sure like that. I don't know, that's, that's not something I would be terribly thrilled about doing either. So yeah. I are you, it. are you heading back out West for, um, uh, for the summer? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be out there. We're going to head out sometime in April and stay through the end of July. So a big, a big chunk of our time will be out there this year. And then, I don't know. I, I'd like to still, I don't know if it's going to be possible or not, but I'd like to still hunt deer there locally too by our place. Um, but so I, I'm trying to have that in the schedule to do that deer hunt there in September. I just don't know with all the other things I just described if I'll be able to do that. So maybe I'll be there a little bit in September, maybe not. Um, but yeah, looking forward to doing a bunch of hiking and fishing and camping and, and all that stuff. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. I'm yeah. serious cabin fever right now. Yeah, I feel you, man. Um, I've scooped my driveway like 13 times in the last five days. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm i ready to get out and do some mushroom hunting, some shed hunting, get on the water, do some fishing. And uh, man, I don't know, man. I, I'd, uh, I'm i pretty optimistic about this upcoming year. I, I feel compared to other years, man, I feel really good about 
how everything is played out, especially South Dakota, where, you know, I have, I've had one, two, three trips out there now in the last two years and really gained a shit ton of knowledge of that animal and how they work through the terrain. And I think, uh, this next trip that I go out there will be the one. This is going to be the year. Now, are you going to adjust goals, expectations, anything like that now in year three? Like, so because you just said you've got it more dialed, are you going to be more picky or are you going to go into it knowing that I've done this three times? It's hard. I haven't had opportunities. I'm going to shoot that doe or that first spike or something like what are your, where's your head at at the moment? I can't, I can't say that because I don't know yet, but I have a feeling it's going to be that sliding scale where, you, you know, you know, the first three days or however many days you're out there. Let's just say I'm, I'm there for eight days. The first three or four days, I'm going to probably try to hold out for a buck, probably pass a doe if I have to. And then the second four days, um, maybe flip that script a little bit and take first opportunity. So, um, that didn't necessarily work too good for me this last trip, <laughs> but what I've learned it, like, the, even the last two days of the hunt from December, I learned a ton of how they bed and where they lay down and all this stuff. And I really think that the, that two days worth of knowledge is going to help me. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I was pretty jealousy on that trip. I was watching it on Instagram and, uh, just it's so, it's so awesome out there. So gorgeous. Oh man. And just, you gotta come, you have to come with me sometime. I really want to do it. I really want to do it. Like it. It's, it's, I love those great plains and the the buttes and the little coolies and all those huge wide vistas like that is just yeah that's, that's good stuff man that's good stuff i'm i hate how close you are too like you you're so close to that stuff yeah you could yep you could be in that stuff in a handful eight like hours eight hours to that spot and really like to get to the beginning of it, it's probably less than that even oh, too yeah if you were oh, to head yeah. straight west the second I the second I cross the Missouri River, I can start hunting. Yeah, yeah, with that cool with stuff. the tag that I get. So, um, yeah, man, I uh, we dude, we've we talk about this shit too much about getting a hunt, going on a hunt again together, right? We haven't done it. It's been six years. Really? Yeah, 2014 is when we went on that elk hunt, right? Jeez. Yeah, six years. Wow. I thought we were closer than that, Mark. <laughs> well, we sort of hunted together last year. Um, you at least came down to Michigan for a little bit, but you're right. You're right. You this, didn't hunt. Well, I, I did. I not hunt. Were, no, you played hospitality. You were like, "Hey, I got work to do. Here's some pizza. Uh, <laughs> here's a bed." And I said, "Oh, thank you." I, and I really appreciated that. And uh, <laughs> well, you, your sentiment is is right. We, we do right. need to. This is. Uh, yeah, I, it's funny how when hunting becomes like your job all of a sudden like doing the hunts like you would usually like get in the plan and become harder to do so i'm in like a weird place right now but at some point as we were talking about the other day like i'm in a season of life of craziness and soon you know someday it'll be less crazy and i uh I'm going to be looking forward to, to this specific hunt very much. So, all right, let's, let's, Hey, one second here. What is, you said potentially Washington DC or Virginia, obviously Michigan. What were the other States that you're potentially going to be hunting this year? Arkansas, Iowa, Texas, maybe Nebraska, um, maybe Idaho. 
there's even a Canada possibility. Um, and then whatever, whatever you. Well, I'll tell said. you what. Depending on when you go through Iowa, if you do this Nebraska hunt, just pick me up, <laughs> and I'll and I'll I'll try to make it work, and and we'll go, and I'll just drop me off somewhere. You go, I mean, we'll have a base camp, and you can go do whatever you want to do, and I'll just you know long range bombs, I don't somewhere. Careful, careful what you ask for. I'll do it. I'll throw you in the bed of the pickup truck, and we'll hey. just go. <laughs> What do you, you think that's going to make me mad? Oh, Mark's I guess, kidnapping me. Oh no, I got to go on a deer hunt. Yeah, I guess I just, I, I guess I'm more worried about Sarah trying to murder me is more what uh, I'm worried yeah. about. If she hasn't left me yet, she's never going to leave me. So <laughs> I guess that's true. She's pretty well committed. Uh man, it's, uh, it's that time of year, man. It's like the dreaming and I literally every night when I fall asleep, like I, I always read before I go to sleep. But then when I finally close my book, I lay there in bed and start like dreaming some hunting or fishing oh, scenario. Dear. So it's like, I literally will be like envisioning myself, grabbing my stuff out of the back of my truck, close the tailgate, start walking down the trail or something. And, and then I just drift off. Like that's how every night <laughs> begins. Yeah. You, I'm just you so know ready. How I fall asleep at night. This is the same way that you think. I, uh, um, okay, it's, it's <laughs> maybe something that's not okay to talk about in the podcast. <laughs> I light a candle. <laughs> what were you going to say? No, I I lay in bed, I close my eyes, and I literally envision walking access routes to my tree stands <laughs> or the tree stands that I had up from previous years. So like, yep. like I just envision, you know, getting out of my truck, walking across the CRP field, diving down into the slow spot, uh, heading straight north. And as I come to this edge of vegetation, I take a 90 degree left up the ridge to my tree stand that is right on this perfect spur ridge that leads into a bedding area and it's money. And that's, a, and then I, I get down and I walk out and I even envision my headlamp on. Right. And then the next thing, and then I just cycle through tree stands until I fall asleep. And then every time you're walking that trail in your mind, you're also feeling like that excitement oh, yeah. of, oh man, what's, what's going to happen. I just I love not think of that part because then I'd probably be up later. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, better get out my Onyx. Cause I got to go check to see if, if that's a Northwest wind, well then, Hey, I might mm -hmm. not be able to use that access route and, you know, just go off on a, I don't know. How boring, I think about this often, like how boring would life be if, if we didn't have like this kind of stuff that just keeps us fired up and thinking about the next thing and keeps us planning and dreaming and putting things on the calendar, N not, not to, you know, not to minimize the very important stuff of daily life and family and work and all that. But I mean, man, I just, I'm just so thankful that we've got this thing that we're passionate oh, yeah. about. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I don't know what I would do if I didn't bow hunt, right? We've, we've had this talk about, let's just say in, in, Thanos snaps his fingers <laughs> and there's no more bow hunting. And we, we didn't even know there was bow hunting in the first place, right? So we're, we're completely blind to the fact that there, there was, but now there isn't bow hunting. Like, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably be a lumberjack. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, have you? Ever, I'm sorry to interrupt, but have you ever chopped down a whole tree with an axe? 
Um, Using just an axe. I think I have chopped down like little trees with a hatchet. I have done okay. that. Okay. But I'm I wouldn't say like a big, big axe. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking big tree, big axe. I'm going to tell you what. It is one of the most manly, rewarding things that a guy can do. Just like rolling up the sleeves, just starting to chop that son of a gun and then watching it fall over. I don't know what it is, but it is awesome. It is an awesome feeling. So, like, so I highly recommend it. What and like when are you doing that? Like for what purpose are you doing that that you can speak from this experience? Okay. So my buddy owned a piece of property uh, west of here. He doesn't live there anymore. But And we had this tree that had this weird limb on it and we we're standing there and I said, we should just chop it down. He's like, if you want to do it, go do it. So I picked up an ax. I walked down to the, where this tree was and I just started swinging. It took me about, <laughs> took me about 45 minutes to, or an hour to get it all the way down. And so nobody had a chainsaw. Nobody had, well, he had a chainsaw, but I wanted to do it with an ax. Man, good for you. I, had, I did have a blister on my hand because I didn't wear gloves. <laughs> I guess that's going to be added to my bucket list of things I got to do before I die. Oh, dude, it's so awesome. I can, so I can, uh, so I can live that that manly moment. Right. Until then, I'm probably gonna use the chainsaw. But I'm <laughs> I'm inspired for someday. All right, man. Well, I think uh, we're good. I think we're good. I feel like good. I'm recharged. I feel like I got the the escape that I needed. Um, and I'm I'm just ready. If I, if I could just get rid of these like zero degree temperatures and see a little green grass. Then I would be, then I'd be where I need, but yeah, can't get it all. Yep. yep. I need, I'll tell you, I'll, we'll end it here. Or I need one of those shed hunting days where you just pound ground all day long from like eight in the morning until it starts to sun starts to come down. You go home, you have like a big bowl of chili that's been just sitting there stewing all day long <laughs> and you start, you eat that, you crack a couple beers watching TV and you fall asleep with the beer on your stomach <laughs> and you know, it's time for bed when you wake up and you shake and that beer spills on your shirt. That's the kind of shed hunting day I need. That's the sign of a good day right there. Oh man. Yes. I give me, give me that kind of day that just that good fatigue that good yeah. burn where just like you're you're whooped but whooped. you're so happy about it like that can't beat that can't beat that and uh and i think that'll be my going to sleep dream tonight i'm gonna dream about <laughs> one of those days <laughs> all right man thanks for uh thanks for catching up always a pleasure man always always a good time and that is it for us today uh, i just want to give you one quick heads up if you are still listening to this you are someone who obviously has been a longtime listener of Wired to Hunt. You've followed along, and, and you must be interested at least a little bit in the crazy, strange stories that you get from Dan and I on occasion. Well, if that's you, and if you are so dedicated to this podcast and diehard of a deer hunter that you would do that, you really ought to be subscribed to our newsletter. This is our Whitetail Weekly newsletter. It's where all of our new deer hunting content from Mediator goes. And that's where some exciting announcements will be shared very soon. 
including some some I don't know how much I can say, but some cool giveaways. There's some cool giveaways coming up. There's some cool news coming up, and you'll be the first to find out if you are subscribed to the Whitetail Weekly newsletter. You can do that by going to themeateater.com, punch in your email address there when it asks you to sign up. That's where you're going to hear from me every week with a quick update, all the links to our latest information and news, like I just mentioned. So thanks for doing that. Appreciate you following along. And stay tuned. Some cool things coming down the line. We've got a lot of projects in store, and uh, I'm excited for you to, to check those out. So thank you again, and until next time, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.